Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Ben Gabler, CEO and founder of Rocket.net. Ben spent the majority of his career, over 17 years, building and managing various hosting companies, platforms, including Host9, HostGator, GoDaddy, UK2 Group, IX Web Hosting, StackPath. He was employee number 10 at HostGator and helped build a foundation that would ultimately scale to a $100 million a year business. He sold his first company in 2010 for seven figures. Welcome to the program, Ben. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So uh, you've got a rich ho- uh, background kind of in, in web hosting, which for our listeners as digital agency owners probably come in contact with hosts at a lot of different levels, that they're providing hosting for their clients, um, if they're a marketing agency and having to deal with you know uptime or speed and that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm curious. I mean, hosting has done changed a lot over the last 20 years, but uh, I want to learn a little bit more about your story in particular, Ben. Like, What got you into that business to begin with? Sure. It was, uh, it's always a fun story. You know, it was pure luck in a sense of, you know, I was still in high school delivering pizza. You know, I think that I always make the joke. It was my least stressful job I've ever had, but, um, you know, I, I delivered pizza for four and a half years. And when I wasn't delivering pizza, I was playing around on IRC and just kind of, you know, joined the internet. Right. So I, uh, met somebody, I believe his name was Adam Tuttle. And this goes back years and years ago, I think back in 2002 or 2003. And he said, Hey man, you know, I, uh, I make pretty good money web hosting. You should, you should get into it. You know, I'm like web hosting. What is that? And he said, well, you know, it's a, you can get a server and you can sell people web hosting to build websites. And you can also run an IRC server on there. So you should check it out. And I'm like, well, how much money do you make? He's like oh, a couple thousand a month. I'm like, Whoa, what? You know, I'm delivering pizza. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, I need to look into hosting. You know, so a couple hours later, I'm on the phone with fdcservers.net ordering my very first server. And I think it had cPanel version three or four at the time. And I had my uh, cPanel server with an IRC daemon running. And I was off to the races. So, you know, I kind of spent some time learning Linux and just a couple of OS reloads and, and breaking things and and just kind of figuring things out as I went. And, you know, about a year later, I you know launched a small company and, you know, built it to probably around 80,000 a year in revenue. And then I saw that HostGator.com was just everywhere. They were starting to really blow up. You, know, you couldn't really go anywhere without seeing HostGator's name. So I come to find out they were about 40 minutes south of me in a town called Boca Raton. And I saw a post on web hosting talk. And I went on there and applied for a job. So I was like, hey, let me see what these guys are up to. You know, they're growing like crazy. What are they doing differently? 
And when I went down there and interviewed, I met the founder and CEO at the time, Brent Oxley, and you know, hit it off. And you know, at that point, I said, you know what, like I, I really want to join the company. So we merged in my little hosting company at the time, and you know, I took on an operations role at HostGator, and you know, spent spent a good amount of time there, learned a lot, saw some good things at scale. And then from there, you know, Brent moved the company to Houston and I, I didn't want to leave my family at the time. You know, I was just turned 21 and, you know, still in my hometown, Jupiter, Florida and, and uh, you know, didn't really want to leave. So I started my own hosting company called Host9 and, you know, that was 2006. And for the next four years, four and a half years, built that up to just under two million a year in revenue, completely bootstrapped. And, you know, at that point, I kind of hit a, a a milestone where it was like, we either need to raise some money to take this thing to the next step or, you know, find a, a home for it and a new home for us. So, you know, ended up reconnecting with HostGator again and sold that company to HostGator in 2010 and went on uh, to take on COO at HostGator to help integrate Host9 and, and just kind of some of the other initiatives that, that were going on. Um, ultimately, Brent decided to sell the company. So at that point, I you know had done pretty well in the exit and decided you know what I should move back to South Florida and take some time off and and just really uh, you know recharge. So bought a boat, fished every day for <laughs> probably six months straight, and got really bored. And and that's when I was like, okay, you know I think it's time to kind of get back on the saddle. And you know Aaron Phillips, the co-founder of Rocket.net, actually reached out to me and said, hey. Uh, you know, I met this guy, his name's Jeff King, and, and you know, he's a GM of hosting at GoDaddy. And I was like, okay, go on. And, you know, got my interest at GoDaddy. And, you know, GoDaddy was kind of always known as, you know, what I could, you know, would say is a stepping stone to the internet. So you need a domain name, you need a website builder, you know, GoDaddy was the place to start. But they didn't really have a good focus on hosting. You know, they had some hosting products that they had built in-house and, you know, people would purchase that along with the domains. But they really just weren't a, a true hosting provider, but they really wanted to be. So I interviewed with Jeff and the rest of the team and you know, ended up taking a position at GoDaddy where you know, we spent the next six months rebuilding you know, the entire web hosting offering at GoDaddy. So the cPanel, uh, Linux hosting, and some Plesk Windows hosting, and a new uh, managed WordPress product all rolled out um, you know, at GoDaddy in, I believe it was 2013 in October. When we got that rolled out. So, you know, it was, it was really, really crazy to see it go at scale to that level. You know, HostGator was big, but GoDaddy, we were doing thousands of signups a day and it was this huge call center and, you know, it was a whole other perspective. And, you know, it was, it was really awesome to see, you know, things at that level. And, you know, I was living out in Scottsdale at the time and, just, you know, really wanted to get back to South Florida. So, you know, I ended up kind of going and doing a couple of SaaS startups and, and just kind of managing product development and, you know, CEO at some of those. And at that point, you know, I, I wanted to get back into the, the industry somehow. And, and that's when I had met with Lance Crosby, who is the CEO and founder of StackPath. And they had a need for a product and, you know, a product, you know, chief product officer. So when I took the role there, I oversaw the product and software efforts. But the really cool thing was I learned a lot about CDN and WAF and the whole concept of, you know, content distance to visitors and humans and how the speed of light matters. And, you know, traditional web hosting of having your site located in, you know, Ohio on a single server is not going to work well for somebody trying to connect in Germany. So, you know, really learned a lot there and it was a great experience. You know, one of the last things we did that, you know, I was really proud of is, you know, as a part of a roadshow where we raised 165 million uh, as our Series B at StackPath. 
And, you know, the company kind of went more towards an enterprise CDN and edge computing initiative. And, you know, during my you know, tenure there, we, we purchased a company called Mac CDN that was very heavy into the WordPress community. So I was seeing dozens of WordPress users a day coming to our platform, and there was just a lot of confusion. So, you know, I kind of came up with the idea for Rocket.net, you know, and said, hey, I, I really want to get back into the hosting space. I just, I love it. And, you know, I, I think we have a good opportunity here. And that's when we kind of created this all-in-one concept of the CDN, web application firewall, and just worldwide caching along with a truly optimized WordPress hosting solution and brought it to market. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Float. As an agency owner, you need quick, reliable answers to questions like, how much money will I make next month? When can I afford to make another hire? And what if I lose that big client? Float, the cash flow and scenario planning software for Zero and QuickBooks Online, helps you answer these questions and more, so you can start making smart business decisions with confidence. To access an exclusive six-week trial of Float and set up a call with one of their cash flow experts, visit floatapp.com slash the digital agency show. So when you were creating some of these initial hosting companies, whether it was your, uh, uh, I believe Host9 was the company you said sold to HostGator, was the intent for you always to to create a company and, and exit it in that way? Because I feel like sometimes as you know, as hosting is more on the the product side, not necessarily the service side. Like it almost feels more product than SaaS, right? I mean, there's probably some SaaS components. I mean, now with managed hosting, there's probably more of a service component. When I think of GoDaddy, I know they have a customer service team. I'm sure they're great. My experience with them was never very good. I think a lot of agency owners in particular kind of power users, you know, you mentioned the term like gateway to the internet. I, you know, and, and I totally agree with that. Right. But I think some, some folks in the agency space have some, uh, I don't know, well, let's just say choice feelings about that brand in particular, but I'm not, I'm not here to trash them. I'm, I'm kind of curious about the, y- your vision, right? Were you thinking like, Hey, I'm going to start these hosting companies and then sell eventually or was it just kind of you were passionate about this and you were focused on the product and the customer and then those opportunities just kind of came about sure so you know no right like host nine you know four years you know we built a product that was very unique you know and and did really well with it but again we got to a point where it was do we take on capital or you know exit this this brand and and figure out you know what the next move might be And, and back then it wasn't VC this, VC that, you know, it, there wasn't unicorns, you know, like it was, it was very tough to get capital back then. And, you know, even with, you know, a run rate of, you know, close to 2 million a year, um, it was definitely difficult, but, you know, I think the timing and alignment made sense there. And for me personally, like GoDaddy in, in particular, you know, I saw an opportunity to move the needle at a billion dollar company. And that was something I knew I just could not pass up because everything you mentioned, I had the same experience, excuse me. And, um, you know, I remember getting comments from a lot of the team, but I, I would spend hours in the call center, hours on calls, shadowing, taking chats. And people were like, what are you doing in here? Like you're a product manager. Why are you messing? I'm like, I don't know how to fix something if I don't understand the true pain points. Right. And I think one of the biggest pain points, you know, I even went as far actually to hire a high school buddy of mine to go through training through the call center and start taking, you know, calls to give me the raw feedback of what the process was like. Flew him out from South Florida to Arizona, put him up in an apartment and said, all right, every day after work, we're going to talk about what you did today. 
And, you know, I got the best insight ever by just similar to what we, you have to do with your customers is talking, but more importantly, listening. So, you know, I wanted to make it apparent, like, how do we solve this problem? And, you know, GoDaddy's call center is profitable, which you can't really say that about a lot of call centers in the world. So what do you mean by that? So, so the, I forget the exact percentage, but for, from what I recall, I think GoDaddy's call center was like 65% of revenue or something like that. Like it was something crazy. I can't remember the exact number, but the call center was, you know, usually when you look at your headcount and you're like, okay, we have to have a call center to support our product. It becomes a cost, right? It's a, it's gotcha. Like, so pe- people are basically calling in for support and then there's opportunities to upsell, cross sell, et cetera, obviously in a way that, you know, customer calls in, Hey, my website's not loading fast enough. Well, you're maxing out your current site. Like we need to upgrade you kind of thing. Right. But, but even more than that, the problem becomes, you know, when you're generating that much revenue off of your call center, it's hard to fix problems and give good support because you're, you're, you have a quota, right? So when the majority of the customer service reps have quotas, it's, you know, like what really drove my buddy insane was, you know, somebody called in with a WordPress issue and he's like, I knew how to fix it, but then I got yelled at because I didn't hit quota to sell something, <laughs> right? And, you know, I don't know how it is now. I mean, you're talking six years ago, seven years ago, um, but that's a big challenge because at that point you say, okay, well, we had this hosting support team that had, I think it was a team of 400 people. But the problem was getting the calls there without A, jumping through 16 hoops on on the phone or B, not having to worry about a quota. And it was a really big challenge, you know, and I think I think that was part of, you know, part of the, the struggle at GoDaddy. And, and one of the things that they wanted me to do before I left was take on hosting support. And I was like, I, there's there's no way. Like, I just don't know how we would make it work until we solve the entire problem. So, you know, I think that's, you know, one of the things with GoDaddy is it was just a huge opportunity. I spent a lot of time with the team, Judd and team that did the GoDaddy Pro brainstorming. So what GoDaddy Pro is today, um, you know, helped out a lot with that. And, and I think the intentions were very, were there. Like, I think GoDaddy has really good intentions internally to do, you know, great things and really help the small business. You know, I, I loved working for Blake Irving. The guy was phenomenal. Like, whatever he said, you just bought it. And you're like, oh, man, this guy is right on the money. But, you know, I think, you know, I think the problem is the the economics of scale and trying to figure out how they can support the customers at those price points and, you know, also still generate the revenue they need to operate. You mentioned that getting insights from customers, you know, talking to customers, but really what you said was listening to customers. Now, that's, I think, something that's, it sounds so simple. Just go listen to your customers. But, uh, you know, I don't know, was it Henry Ford that said, if I would have, you know, asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Did you, how, how do you go about getting insights from customers to inform how you think about building your building products? You spent a long time in, you know, developing products for these various hosting companies. I think agency owners that are either thinking about their own servicing service offering or developing products for their customers or developing products for their agencies to sell their customers could learn a lot from how you think about those, that insight process. So this is, this is probably the best question I've ever been asked. You know, I think Steve jobs also said people don't know what they want until you give it to them. Right. And I think that mentality stops at the computer. Right. And even when we think about what Henry Ford said, like, you know, they would ask for a faster horse. Totally. But they didn't know that a car was possible. 
right? And, you know, I think from my perspective is when you think about technology, like a, like the internet and let's just use web hosting as an example, you know, customers know they have problems managing their sites. They have pain points. And, you know, when you start to trend those pain points, you find common, you know, issues throughout your entire customer base. But, you know, talking to a customer, even in a web hosting perspective is not like, you're never going to hear, I think the Linux kernel needs to have this page file size and this, that, and the other, blah, blah. But what you will hear is when I log into my control panel, I should have the least amount of clicks possible to get into WP admin, right? And you're like, that makes sense with a single click, right? You know, I should be able to create a staging site from a backup because I want to know exactly what's on that backup. Makes total sense, right? You're solving problems. Now, to that point, you can't you got to be able to create problems to solve them. So without having some sort of innovative approach in the beginning, like what we did at rocket.net, we created a very usable, what we called MVP, you know, and at that point, customers could log in, create a, a WordPress site, log into it, manage it. And a couple of other very obvious things like FTP accounts, like we just created a list of what is our competitive matrix? What do we need to have that, you know, for managing websites that we know people need, and then let's let the customers really drive the roadmap to help solve problems. Because one of the biggest advantages with continuous delivery and, and you know constant iteration on your product is these older, bigger companies can't move that fast. You know, they have these huge processes, they have these huge, you know, like I can't tell you how many companies I've been at where it's like we deploy the first Monday of every month. It's like, no, we we deploy when the code's ready, right? So, you know, giving customers that ability you know, really goes a long way. And, that, and that's how I look at it. You know, like you got to listen to the customers and you know, like, what, what is it? Uh, I like to say, you know, the customer is always right most of the time. And, um, <laughs> you know, with that said, it's, you know, th- there's definitely a, a line that you have to, that you have to draw to where, you know, Hey, you know, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole, but at the same time we are listening actively and acting on it. You know, there's nothing better than, you know, from my, even as a customer of other companies, if I make a feature request, and then it gets built. That's a great feeling. It, it is a great feeling. I, but there's also like a dark side to that mentality, I think. And, and I know the guys over at 37 Signals have talked a lot about, you know, both, yes, building small, lean MVPs, kind of getting, you know, looking at customer, you know, doing customer interviews, but at the same time, like kind of not, um, you know, having a suggestion box that you like, you know, as a parking lot of things that you never actually look at. I mean, I just, I remember reading their book, like getting real uh, on software development. And I feel like their mentality was that you can't, you know, if if you're constantly listening for feature requests and just, you know, all of a sudden one day you're going to wake up and your, your product or your service offering is going to be so bloated that you won't actually have a cohesive uh, vision for something. So how do you balance that kind of listening to what people want, but also having those boundaries and limits of saying, look, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do this. This is a great suggestion and improvement on what we're already doing. It fits within our roadmap, but this stuff over here really is outside of our value proposition. And I think that's where the trending really comes into play. And, and also being the, you know, the, the product manager, the captain of the ship, you know, you have to effectively be able to, to understand what is within your, you know, wheelhouse of your product and business, right? So, you know, if somebody came to us and said, we love your platform for WordPress, but you should do it for Joomla, 
that's we'll listen to you. But we're probably going to recommend another company for Joomla just because that's not in our wheelhouse and we don't ever plan to be, you know. So it, it's it's really just a a good balance of realistic expectations from the customer and and what type of you know feedback you take in, and then also just kind of making sure you're not building one offs for customer ABC, which is it's also really hard to not do when you're a new company, right? Like we're going on a you know we're a year old. And in the beginning, you know, every dollar counts. So it's sometimes you have to really fight that urge and say, well, we don't do email hosting, but, but that's, I mean, that's the one thing we won't do. But, you know, I think, I think there's give and take as well. You know, like if a customer came to us and said, we really want you to offer email hosting, we're not going to go offer email hosting on our platform, but we'll partner with Google and just offer their solution. Right. So, you know, I think it's just a, a, a having a good way to balance out what the customer demand is. And you know what the company, uh, you know, mission is, and making sure those align. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about an exciting new software product that is really gaining traction in the digital agency world. It's an all-in-one marketing and sales platform, and it's built specifically for agencies. Not only will it help you save money by replacing all of your old software tools, it creates a whole new revenue stream for your agency, and you can white label it, add your branding, and sell it as your own software product. That's why hundreds of agencies have already made the switch from Infusionsoft, Marketo, and ActiveCampaign. You can get more info and access their unlimited agency plan for just $2.97 a month or start your free trial over at IgniteYourAgency.com. That's IgniteYourAgency.com. I think you've got an interesting perspective. I don't think there's a lot of people that have you know, started their own business also worked at very large businesses and then kind of gone back and started their own business. Like you kind of, you played both in the employee role and in the entrepreneur role. And it sounds like very well, you've, you've done a lot of great things at some of these large companies. Uh, you've also grown multiple of your own companies and exited them. What, what do you think is, are, are there things that you can insights that you can pull from that billion dollar experience that you think apply to small, you know, six and seven figure businesses? Because I feel like a lot of times it feels very much like apples and oranges, like going and working for GoDaddy and being, you know, chief operating officer or something like that. I mean, just feels like your day is probably radically different than somebody running a, you know, three or 400 or $500,000 a year small web shop. What are, what are some things that you feel like you pulled from that experience working at the billion dollar shops that applies to the, the small startups? You know, I think, I think, and it's not just GoDaddy. I think every company that gets to a certain level of org chart, I guess, is a way you could put it, creates these challenges where, you know, you do end up spending a ton of time in meetings, right? And you end up jumping through hoops and spending an extra week to meet on something instead of just, you know, hitting the ground running and, and getting some code written, right? Like there's a lot of, you know, places like Visa and IBM where we would hire people from those, you know, organizations. And they were like, oh, I wrote code for two years, but none of it ever saw production. Whereas mm. at a startup, you know, your, your code is going to hit production probably your first week, you know, maybe, maybe week two, but you know, I think, does that mean like it kind of goes like that they're, that they're, they've got bureaucratic processes to kind of filter before stuff hits the customers or is it, is it just straight up like waste? I think it's both, right? Like, I think it's, you know, I don't think it's necessarily to hit the customers. I just think there's a lot of, you know, projects that get spun up and they may not actually become products. 
Um, you know, like a lot of R and D, you know, these companies have a lot of R and D budget and a lot of R and D teams. So, you know, there may be some, some projects that get started that just may not ever make it to their, you know, actual product portfolio. But, but then I also think there's just a lot of, you know, even at GoDaddy, like when we built the, the, um, cPanel product offering there, we were the first team to actually adopt, you know, agile, uh, methodologies at GoDaddy. You know, we had a a coach, Derek neighbors, who was freaking amazing. Like that guy taught me more about agile in a week than I, I think any school could have. But, you know, the, the interesting thing was we acted like a startup, right? So when we were building this product, you know, we had a deadline of, I'll never forget 1015. Jeff King would always say 1015, 1015. And the problem became we needed servers to launch this product. And internally they said, well, that's going to take eight weeks. And I said, okay, cool. We're going to get servers from software and launch on software. And, you know, it made its way to Alyssa Murphy, the CTO. And she's like, you know, my boss, Jeff, Jeff, why, why would you guys buy servers from software? We have a data center 10 miles away. And he's like, well, they told us eight weeks. And I told my team we're launching October 15th. I, I think 24 hours later, I had servers starting to come online at GoDaddy. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you just have to kind of work the system a bit, but, but, you know, you get to see scale and, and I talked to a lot of our, customers about this because it comes up all the time. How do we know you're not going to end up like, you know, XYZ where support starts to suffer or this starts to, you know, because you guys grow. And, and the thing is like, we've already seen that happen. These companies have never seen it. Growing pains exist because they've never had to deal with it before. You know, we, we've dealt with it in so many different areas. We've, we've dealt with it and understand how to prepare and plan for that. So we can scale a culture at this company to make sure we do that. So, you know, that, that experience is so valuable, you know, and that's, that's really where it comes back, you know, around to say, Hey, like, not only have we seen how to scale, like how to scale support, how to scale, you know, this, we, we also know how like not to over, you know, over do like process and, and this, that, and the other, like, let's, let's talk, let's have standups, let's do this and let's find out what works for us and let's go. I think a lot of people think, you know, they want scale. And I think scale can mean different things to different people, for sure. You know, like scaling your time out of a business or scaling the amount of time you're spending in your business doing the things you actually enjoy doing versus, you know, maybe answering customer support tickets or, you know, balancing your books or, or what have you. But how, how have you seen the, the idea of scale, an extreme scale of going from, you know, $80,000 a month, small hosting thing that you're running kind of on the side or, you know, doing your own thing to, you know, billion dollar company scale. How does that impact the the team and the clients? I mean, I assume sometimes people just don't want to, they, they like being a part of a small culture and then big culture is is scary or maybe vice versa, right? And then the same thing with clients, right? Like I think clients, a lot of times, fear that scale is going to mean like, oh, I'm going to not, I'm no longer going to have that one person at the company that I get to rely on. But at the same time, that one person might not have been able to support you round the clock. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tricky, especially in a business, in an industry like web hosting. But, you know, I think one of the, one of the things that I'm, I love the most about what we're doing is because we're not commodity $3 a month hosting, right? Like we, you know, a hundred thousand customers to HostGator is like a thousand customers to us, right? And at that point, it, it allows a more, le- like, an easier scale. You know, when it comes to support and and even just you know, 
it, it just it helps you keep the organization a little bit tighter, I guess you could say, because again, you know, as you scale, you know, it's not necessarily the dollar amount, right? Like there's there's companies doing hundreds of millions in revenue with you know probably 25 heads, right? Maybe maybe 50, maybe a hundred, right? And that's pretty incredible. You know, HostGator had over a thousand employees, you know, at a hundred million. And, you know, GoDaddy was like 4,000 employees at the time, you know, and that's, that's just a lot of people. So, you know, you start to, you know, think about that. And when we think about, you know, like, you know, when you have to scale the business to take that next step or to keep up with your growth, it's really just comes back to the team. And that's where, you know, my, I always like to say, we put together the captain planet of hosting people. And like Aaron's been in the industry forever and, you know, Joseph's been in the industry forever. And then as we continue to hire like these, these leadership roles, we want to make sure that we have seasoned what, what we call hosting industry veterans to help, you know, keep that culture and expectation that bar high to where it is a, a very, you know, exceptionally ran business. But there's just so many different challenges that come into play because to your point, it's not just the customers that want to talk to a specific person. It's also the employees, right? Like if I'm, used to reporting to Joe and then all of a sudden Joe's team gets so big that then Joe has to hire a, a VP for his role. And now all of a sudden I have a new boss and it's, it, it just gets, it gets clunky. Right. So, you know, it, it really just boils down to the people and the structure and, and continuing to you know drive towards that same thing you did even at a smaller company. You know, I want, I want our customers to get a personable experience you know, I want them to, you know, in, enjoy the experience, every interaction. And, you know, I want our employees to, to enjoy it and care just as much. Ben, this has been a super fascinating conversation, man. I love hearing about your 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 wins with uh, starting and exiting companies, your experience scaling, working at both small and massive companies. I think a lot of people in our industry can pull a lot of insights from that. Also, your process in terms of MVPs and getting insights from your customers. This has been super awesome. Are you ready for our lightning round? Let's do it. What is the best advice you've ever received? If your product's perfect, you waited too long. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, I think I think my love for, for technology in general. You know, I, I started out on prodigy and aol writing little punters in visual basic and you know kind of just the love for technology to really understand from a sales marketing product and you know engineering perspective has just really contributed a lot because you know when i think about building something i I definitely want to see it work but i also want to understand how it works and it's been super valuable to know especially in an mvp process when I can look at something and then go into GitHub and say line 30, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I couldn't write this, but I think I know it's doing this and it should do that. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use on a regular basis that you think our listeners would find valuable? Slack is the obvious answer. I think everybody for the most part can't live without Slack. I know I can't. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I also keep CNBC on in the background at all times just to keep up on the t- anytime I hear technology sector, I'm like, what, <laughs> you know, kind of keeping up on what's going on that way. But, uh, but yeah, I would say Slack for me has been a great way to not only work with the team, but our customers, you know, our agencies, we put into a, you know, their own private shared Slack channel and it's just real time communication. And it's, it's been incredible. What book could you recommend and why? So the, the most recent book, I listened to was obviously awesome by April Dunford. It was incredible. One of my biggest weaknesses is definitely around product positioning. And, you know, her book was just awesome. 
And if I had to give a runner up or, or just another, another equally awesome book, I would probably say be obsessed or be average by Grant Cardone, because it just, if you're an entrepreneur, that book, you will every step of the way say, that sounds like me. That sounds like me. And it's just, it's a really good one. Well, we will link out to obviously awesome as well as be obsessed or be average on our show notes page for this episode, along with lots of other great takeaways, insights, nuggets. That's at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you'll see Ben's picture right up there at the top. Click on that and you'll find all those show notes and links and all that good stuff. Ben, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Sure. Uh, you know, our current company, rocket.net, uh, pretty, pretty easy one, but, um, you know, I'm also on LinkedIn, you know, feel free, even if it's not related to hosting and you, I, I love networking with other entrepreneurs and like-minded individuals. So feel free to connect. Very cool. Well, if you're on the road or on, or on a run or on your bike like me, and you don't have something to uh, pull that up right now, check out yougurus.com forward slash podcast. We'll link out to rocket.net. We'll link out to Ben's LinkedIn and any other social profiles that he's active on. Make that nice and convenient for you. Yougurus.com slash podcast. Ben, thanks so much for stopping by the program today. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And wish you all the best in a nice, healthy, successful 2021. And we are definitely in 2021. So thanks for that. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale the multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.